Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Jay, welcome back. Oh, thank you. Tell me about Vegas. Oh, man. Did you win or did you lose? Did um, you leap up or down? That's the tally of a successful weekend in Vegas. So I didn't win, but I definitely didn't lose. What does that mean? There's no way you broke exactly even. I wouldn't say exactly even, but the family's happy. My wife's happy. So even though I personally <laughs> lost. How much did you lose? <laughs> enough. Enough where I'm going to be working pretty I much see. all your for the next couple weeks. I, uh, I definitely have been there, done that many times myself. Welcome to the Reality Bites podcast. It's Megan and Jay. It's been one of those weeks, right, where not only did Labor Day set us back a little bit, yes. but we are in the southeastern United States and Hurricane Dorian has kind of taken over everybody's lives. And of course, this would happen when I have company who is supposed to be flying into Charleston, South Carolina tomorrow from Seattle. I used to live out on the West Coast. I I was in California for a few years. I was in Seattle for a few years. My first visitor from Seattle is supposed to fly into Charleston tomorrow. Oh, that's not a great Yeah, so timing. as of right now, the airport is closed. And all the flights today have been canceled. I have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. I have no idea if I'm going to be able to get there to pick her up if her flight is, in fact, still going to happen. And and then I, so I was like letting it kind of get to me and I was being a bratty about it. And then I had to remind myself, like, no, there are people in the Bahamas who are literally homeless right now. There are people True. who lost their lives. I think in the grand scheme of things, this is a minor inconvenience for me. So I'm sure we'll get it figured out throughout the day at some point. But. But when it comes to these storms, there are so many things that I had forgotten. You know, even though I grew up in Wilmington, North Carolina, I had forgotten what hurricane preparation psychology was all about. Because you sit and you watch this thing on TV, you have no idea what it's going to do. I walk into Walmart, I see people pushing shopping carts of bottled water around, and I go, oh, well, maybe I should grab a couple gallons of water, you know, just in case. And right. then you go to the water aisle and it's completely empty, mm-hmm. and then something in your brain just snaps. It's like mob mentality, and you go into panic mode, and then you're on a mission to find water and batteries and candles, and, you know, so I have like 50 gallons of water. <laughs> I'm not even joking. In my living room right now, I have no, I don't even have anywhere to put it. I bought so much. And it doesn't even look like we're going to have to worry about it all that much. However, it has been, when you add all that together, the fact that it was a short work week with the holiday on Monday, you weren't here, so we were down like a staff member. Right. And then on top of all of it, we've got this storm that has kind of been on everyone's radar. But now that you're back, we have a lot to discuss. A whole because bunch. Because not only have we seen part two of episode five, but you and I have both gone ahead and seen 
part one of episode six. And this is where it starts to get kind of confusing because you're like, oh, did that happen in the first part of episode six? Or is that something that I saw in part two two of episode episode five? five. So we're not even really sure what we're about to talk about. (laughs) And we apologize if we give away details that you haven't seen yet because episode six of 90 Day Fiance Before the 90 Days will air Sunday night on TLC. It's getting good. Yeah, I mean, this is where finally we've got some momentum. You know, there's a lot of build up before the couples meet each other and then they meet and everything's good for like the first day or so because they've waited a long time to meet these people. But once the dust settles, here comes the drama. Oh my gosh. And there is drama. And there is a lot of it. Now we're now we're starting to really see some some major red flags, some potential deal breakers, big cultural differences. We're we're still waiting for Caesar and Maria to meet, <laughs> which by the way, big update on that. Oh boy. But we'll save that for right now. Let's jump in with Angela and Michael. I was going to say the same thing because as those two. crazy as they are and as many rumors that are floating around out there claiming that she's only going back a second time so she can remain on the show, you still kind of can't help but love them, right? And she likes that good Nigerian loving, apparently. She those, does. Those are the two she reasons does. I've that's, that's the the, <laughs> the the part that I kind of love the most is, you know, she's in her 50s. She's from small town Georgia. He's a 30-year-old kid who lives in Lagos, Nigeria. And as much as you think that this can't really be real, when she's on her flight, she's excited to see him. When she lands, they seem legitimately excited to see each other. <laughs> You're getting bad, Michael. How about you? I'm back in Nigeria with my Okumi. Okumi. Your homie. Uh, your homie, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> Seeing Angela again, I feel great and happy. In fact, I'm so overwhelmed. I miss her so, so much. How was the trip now? You got up there. Oh. <laughs> Don't be looking at my back. <laughs> They like they have this very fun, playful, very sexual connection. Connection, <laughs> but like we've said all along, twenty-four hours prior to her arriving, the camera crew touches down in Nigeria. They kind of follow Michael around. We see his friends, the ones that Angela does not like, the goofballs, the goofballs, and they're making fun of him, like, "Oh, your grandfather," and <laughs> <laughs> he's thirty. <laughs> <laughs> but if they get married, then yeah, technically he will be a grandfather at 30. Um, they also answered a question that we've been kind of asking amongst ourselves, like, what is he doing for work? And he explains, I'm not working anymore because Angela is very jealous and she wants to know where I am all times of the day. And so I don't work and she's supporting him somehow. I would imagine it's money from the show. I would imagine that because the Americans are the only ones who get paid, right. that it's kind of like, okay, well, we'll split everything that we make for the season of being on the show. I imagine that's enough to live off of. Oh, that's going to go a long way. Yeah. The exchange rate is, yeah. Right. So maybe that's how she's able to support him because otherwise it doesn't seem like she's in a position to provide for somebody else who lives in another country, right? Right. Especially, like I said, when you see that, you know, she's also got grandkids that she's helping to raise and she's also talked about how she can't afford a $4,000 wedding at the Cotton Patch. I think this is where 
some of that decision making comes into play because it's like, how do you justify? And then this trip to Nigeria, which has to be expensive, it has to be if the show's not paying for it. And that's kind of a question we've had all along. Does the show Pay- buy their plane tickets? Right. Like you, on some level, you have to figure that they, they do provide, you know, they do purchase their own tickets at some point. But because during the show's run, they tend to go back, you know, once, sometimes even twice during a season, you would think that at some point the show might, you know, help subsidize the cost right. or something. And not only that, but who has that much time off? Right. Three so, weeks sometimes. So do you, when you sign up to be on the show, do you make that your your job and your career? Do you quit your regular job and go, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to make some money doing this show. And when it's all over, if I need to find another job, I will. Or maybe they'll cast me on the next season of the show and then I can look forward to another $20,000. Right. I don't know. And it's like, oh, I have to go to my company and tell them that I need the next three months off. Right. Or they're like their own business owner or something like that where they've started their own business. Or Which kinda- is why I think when you watch a show like The Bachelor and you'll hear one of the contestants say that they quit their job to come on the show. Well, it's like, well, yeah, because he probably had a full-time job and his company was like, no, you can't have three <laughs> months off and then just come back. Like, it never happened. <laughs> it doesn't work that way in the business world. Um, but they do, back to Angela and Michael, when she lands in Nigeria, there is a a preview to something that happens in part one of episode six, which actually, like, made me fearful for her. Yeah. Because this is one of the first times on the show that something has happened that could actually be considered a, a, a very scary... A dangerous. Dangerous. Physically endangering situation. Right. So what happens, apparently, is they, they get in the car and they're leaving the airport and you see this SUV pull up beside them and there's a guy hanging out of the passenger side window and you can't really tell what he's doing but then michael's like hey 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 and he jumps out of the car he's like what are you doing and then like where i would jump out and start running the other way (laughs) angela like angela is ready to throw (laughs) down like she is ready to brawl and throw some bows and defend her man and from small town georgia this is an everyday occurrence she's scrappy man because let me tell you something i'd be hightailing it back into the airport like take me home but she was ready to fight and in part one of episode six they kind of explain what happens you get a little bit better understanding of like yes they pulled over into a no parking zone but it's unclear if these guys actually work for the airport or if this is just part of some scam where if you're parked in a no parking zone they put like spikes spikes on your tires so when you try to move your tires pop and then they have to tow you and then you have to pay the tow charge that's exactly right that's exactly right now when it happens to angela and michael they are pulled over into a no parking zone but airport security is pretty quick to jump in and right. defuse the situation. But Angela gets back in the car and she's like, had hit someone with the ring on her finger. And man, she was not afraid. She like sprung into action. Yeah, and like, she did. That, I was impressed because when it comes to like fight or flight, I fly. I'm gone. I'm not a fighter. And Angela, man, well, at 53 years old. She like, was. She was quick wow. out the car, too. She- <laughs> yeah, she jumped right out. So these two in episode six, part one, they're back at the hotel and it is just as uncomfortable to watch as it was the first time. <laughs> he comes out of the bathroom in his Donald Trump underwear. She's handcuffing him to a light fixture. She has some sort of edible pain. Paints on his belly. A lot. But you still can't help but like them. Yeah. You know what I mean? They, and that's that's compelling. That's it's interesting to watch. I almost want him just to get to America so that she can be happy and have her Nigerian prince. And- I wonder 
you know, if he does wind up coming to the U.S., will they be happy living in small town Georgia, everyday life? That's going to be very different for him. I think it's going to be a lot different than what he expects it to be. I think it's always different from what they expect, meaning the people on the other side of this 90 Day Fiance scenario who are not the Americans. Because, I mean, when you think of a uh, Keeney and um, Benjamin, Benjamin, you know, she said that no white person's even been to her neighborhood or her village. Right. It's going to be very different if you move to Phoenix, Arizona. Right. And you. like, what do you mean? You don't see goats walking on the side <laughs> of the road? So, yeah. So so speaking of Benjamin and Keeney, he is in his 30s. He's from Phoenix. She is uh, in her 20s. She lives in Nairobi, Kenya. He has landed in Kenya where we pick up. They are in their cab on the way to what he believes is his apartment that he has rented. His Airbnb. And she drops it, the bomb on him like, oh, you have to stay at my brother's house, which I would not be very happy about. I'm going to be honest. If I was Benjamin, I'd be like, wait, so you what? You couldn't tell me that ahead of time like why are you just bringing this on me now yeah to hear it in the car ride to where you think you're going to like a hotel or somewhere where you can just kind of relax and decompress and then find you have to go to you know someone who you're you haven't even met before as yeah. family to stay with like i think he would have been okay and i probably would have been okay too if my wife when we were dating and i went to go visit her she said you know what you have to kind of stay with my cousin or my brother and i'm like okay i'm prepared for that if i knew it up front let's different do it. story but if you're picking me up from the airport and we're like you know 30 minutes into the ride you're like oh by the way his poor reaction he's like what'd you say uh, so they get to Fidel's house. That's Akini's older brother. The whole family's there. And I felt bad for him because, you know, Fidel is a straight shooter. He's pretty intimidating. Okay. Uh, I don't know your intentions with that. Oh, sister. Yeah, he does. Firing some questions. Not a whole lot of jokes and haha and hey, how's it going? And from Phoenix, are your arms tired? None of that kind of no, stuff. No, but once he's in Fidel's house, there's this part where, you know, Akini sits beside him and she's like, I got you a gift. She brings out this bracelet that's the Kenyan flag. She puts it on him. And then she's just like, Where's my gift? I feel like she should have said, Listen, just so you know, in our culture, it's tradition to, to get each other gifts. And when you meet my family, you need to bring something from the U.S. as a as a token of, you know, gratitude and appreciation. But she didn't give him any heads up. So then she gives him the gift and he doesn't have anything for her. Like, you didn't bring me anything. Like, oh, hey, so what would you get me? And-, and that's why I felt bad for him because in front of her family, it's a first impression. He doesn't have anything for her. On the other hand, he probably should have gotten her something. At least something, like a little token. Yeah, yeah. Even if it had been like a little cute teddy bear, just something yeah i felt like like that's something he could have definitely done without having to be prompted and then to say in his response which is oh i ran out of time oh that was a bad response that was a bad response it should have been i'll give it to you later right exactly something and then he could have like gone in his suitcase and found something he he packed for himself that he could have given to her and pretended like he brought it for her disposable razors they're great in america we love them these are for you and you're gonna love these (laughs) so just to uh kind of fill people in on how uncomfortable it was it was it was uh her brother-in-law her sister-in-law her cousin her sister her brother and her brother's wife all in the same little room little room and akini has already said that her family has never sat down with a white person and they all look like they're very enthused to have them there it was just and you gotta imagine too these are people who have never been on television you've got a film crew right packed into the room and it's it's got to be when you put yourself in that position 
an interesting dynamic. Like, how are you supposed to act? I'm not an actress. I don't, what am, how, where am I supposed to look? What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to say? And he just came off like a 20 something hour flight. Said he hadn't slept at all. Hadn't slept at all. He's probably hungry. He's definitely hot and tired. I mean, I can't even imagine. I can't. It was a lot. I just got back from my flight. And when I got home to the comforts of my home, I was like, all right, I'm going upstairs. I'm taking a nap, everybody. So I feel I yeah. And so I, I still feel good about these two. I do. But I also think that some of that excitement to see him at the airport, I have questions with them moving forward. Are they going to maintain that chemistry and that attraction? I already feel like she's not as into him as he is into her physically. So we'll see moving forward if they maintain that chemistry, because that was a big deal for them leading up to his arrival is whether or not they would have chemistry. And with the whole bride price thing coming up if he can't afford you know the bride price or if they even have to you know negotiate and lower the bride price so that he can afford something will that attraction that she may or may not have with them diminish somewhat yeah and leading into episode six we see akini taking benjamin to her parents house there's a lot of anxiousness building up to that because benjamin says what happens if your dad doesn't like me and she's like well then you go home like a single man you go home a single man. yeah and yeah. this time to your point earlier she did say okay look <laughs> Here's what you need to do right, right. so that you're not confused when you get to my house. Exactly. Eat everything that's on your plate. Right. Sit next to my brother on the left-hand side. Right. Uh, no winking, no touching. Like, she lets There, There are some, some very clear <laughs> parameters that she lays out, but I think she maybe could have done that prior to his arrival <laughs> with the where you're staying and the make sure right. you bring something. And Now, speaking also to what I was talking about earlier with a camera crew being in your face and you're not a trained actor, actress, and, and what are you supposed to do? It's a little uncomfortable. That kind of leads me to Tim and Jennifer. Oh, boy. Now, Tim is 38. He's from Charlotte, North Carolina. Jennifer is 25. She lives in Bucaramanga, Colombia. <laughs> he is uh, down in Colombia. They have gone to a dinner, which was kind of uncomfortable to watch because already we see that there is a very big difference between what she finds masculine and manly and attractive and who he is. And it's very interesting because she keeps referring to his masculinity, pretty much insulting his masculinity, but at the same time, she keeps seeming to, well, let me see if maybe there's right. a man in there somewhere. Maybe sure. I can get it out of him or something. But it's already on her radar. Like, I think subconsciously she already knows. Right. And so after this dinner, they go back to their hotel room. I know the idea is in the air, the, the, the possibility, and I don't know what he's planning, but it will be great to be able to start to discover ourselves in, in that phase, too. And what happens is he convinces her to stay, and she goes and puts on pajamas that he brought for her, and he then proceeds... <laughs> to break out those gold under eye patches and proceeds to put them on Jennifer and she's like what is this like what are you doing oh my goodness and but that's where in my mind I'm like as as funny as this is to watch because what we're expecting are some romance some fireworks come on Tim like she wants you to be assertive she wants you to make the first move like right. this is a girl who wants to to be for lack of a better conquered. term ravaged conquered and you're like you know playing day spa with her this is not going well but then I think to myself okay it's his it's his first day and there's a camera crew in the bedroom standing around them filming them and maybe it was just kind of one of those he didn't really 
know what to do because there's cameras in your face. Yeah, so how we would all react when cameras are rolling in your face. If you've ever been somewhere and someone's just broken out their cell phone and records you. It makes you a little uncomfortable. You get very aware, right? Right, you become very aware. So imagine that now you're going to, you know you're going to be nationally televised and you're in another country and you're meeting this person. You want to be respectful but impress them and be all that they want you to be but also kind of, oh, am I being myself? And so yeah, I can understand how that could maybe get you discombobulated. But Tim is such a, he just acts stranger and stranger. I know. And let me tell you something. I have never gone viral before in my life. Like, I don't even really know what that means, to be honest. I mean, I know what going viral means, but at what point you have gone viral, how many likes or shares or retweets does it actually take? But as I was watching the show, I follow along on the live tweets and I tweeted about it. I said, uh, Tim putting under eye patches on Jennifer like they're BFFs about to binge old episodes of Sex in the City and eat ice cream straight out of the tub. Guess how many likes I got on that? How many? 351. <laughs> I was so excited. That's that's the biggest number I've ever had. <laughs> Tweeting very... about Tim and Jennifer is the highlight of my Twitter that is career. very true. And the thing is that Jennifer even says in it, you know, yeah. he might be gay. And welcome to the friend zone, right? And welcome to the friend zone as well. <laughs> Which has got to be the very last thing you want to hear when you're trying to impress someone. And I kind of felt bad for him because he says that she's so beautiful that he's a little bit afraid of her and he doesn't really know what to do and he wants to be respectful. But it's like another thing about Latin culture is that there's a lot of passion. There's a lot of romance. Lot of machismo, it's, it's, as I like to it's say. It's fiery. Yeah, and it is. And and so I don't know if he's going to measure up in that capacity. It does not appear that he will be able to Plus, all episode, I kept looking at him thinking he looks like a very masculine Katie Lang. And so... Wow, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I just think he... First of all, we got to work on the haircut. Because I don't think the haircut does anything to hit the shape of his face. He, he has already a, has a very large, an oval, uh, oblong yeah. face. Mm-hmm. And then the, the hair gives more height on top of it. So may, we got to start there, I feel like. Um, the guy's right. better when he's wearing a hat. By the way, we it's, saw him on Instagram. He's wearing the hat. A lot of pe- a lot of guys look better when like Tom. Let's let's <laughs> yes. cover up that curly on top of the head, and then I guess that's the natural segue to Tom and Darcy. <laughs> Tom and Darcy. Which you know the the irony is that it would appear that he does not look at all like those pictures that he sent to Darcy. Darcy's forty four. She's from Connecticut. Tom's thirty nine. He lives in the UK. So Tom and Darcy go to dessert. Right. Yeah, having dessert in front of a fire. They go to like a restaurant. He orders them dessert. He orders them a glass of wine. And he starts bringing up that he is seeing how over the top she is. Thanks. Thank you. Everything here in London is so amazing. Thank you. So. Bon appetit. Bon appetit. You've just, honestly, been blowing me away left and right since I've arrived. I've never felt like such a woman. I'm like, wow, it's real. I feel so, like, in awe a lot of the time. I really have feelings for her, but Darcy does have a tendency of, like, over-portraying emotions. Um, You know, if I think something good with her is absolutely wonderful, it's fabulous. Uh, English people are a bit more reserved about love. Darcy is so over-the-top at times that you kind of get the impression, is it real? I'm not one of the disciples. Oh, 
You don't have to be in awe of anything. Mm. It's a simple fire burning, and it's a table. It's two seats, mm. but it's just me and you. Like, I just feel like when we... But it's just dessert. If you push it a little bit too much, it's kind of like feeling like, oh, is it really genuine what you're saying? Yeah, it is, because I'm not used to this. Well, maybe just say, this is really nice, what we're doing today. No, it is very in, nice. In awe, it's kind of like, a, it's a big statement, mate. It's a regular table. This is yeah. just dessert. Right. It's not anything this amazing. Isn't, this isn't the most magical thing <laughs> that has ever happened to anyone ever, and it's what, like two days into their trip. And as I said before, we're not even in these relationships with these people, but something like that, it exhausts me whenever I see Darcy. Totally. Like, well, she, but they finally... They finally do the jiggy-jiggy. They finally get the jiggy-jiggy on. She's been there for a week, she says. Yep. And after a week, they got the jiggy-jiggy. Yep. Tom says she's probably glad that she has to stop waiting, and he's glad that, you know, he's... I'm glad that we didn't get too many details. Right, there wasn't... Except that he sprained his foot somehow. Somehow. Then again... <laughs> he's not in the best of shape. That's so. right. Like, we're, we're not looking at the Tom from 20 years ago. <laughs> this is modern-day Tom. <laughs> oh, boy. So now that they have done the deed, the big question is, is she going to get even clingier and, and pushing more for this, getting engaged and moving the relationship along and being exclusive? And is that going to just push him further away? Because I was hoping initially that when they did do the jiggy jiggy that okay now that she's gotten that out the way she'll kind of calm down a little bit she'll be a little more you know of her right self and kind of a little more uh, self-assertive and confident and kind of go into it like okay we're on a little more level playing field right I can relax a little bit now I can relax and you know what take some of the pressure off especially because one of the big I think insecurities that started to come up because they hadn't done anything sexual was it's like is he into me does he like me and now that they've done that I feel like she could relax a little bit because that's not the case. It's not that he's not interested. But it doesn't really seem like it's going in that direction no. yet because like you said, she's already said, oh, well, now I feel like we've just moved our relationship a few steps ahead and I think we're finally on the same side of things where he's definitely not. I, I, yeah, I don't so. think so either. Omar and Avery, uh, they finally get a dinner alone without Terry. Omar is 24. He's from Latakia, Syria. Avery is 19 and she's from Ohio. The wedding is happening. Right. They so now they, have a place to get married. They go to the mall. Mosque. They go to the mosque. She puts on the hijab. We now we understand though why Terry's hijab looked the way it did is because it was just kind of like one of the standard communal type of hijab that they would have for someone visiting who didn't have their own. It's actually pretty cool that they would have because they're very strict on their religion and their rules and like who can enter into a mosque and all that. And so instead of just being like, nope, sorry, you can't come in. It's like, okay, we have tourists. We have people who aren't familiar with the culture. So here's something to kind of, you know, help yeah. you yeah. be a part of the situation as well. So we have Avery and Omar now at dinner and she's bringing up moving to Syria and is telling Omar like are we are we still good or, and and Omar seems to be very much the realist here who's kind of like you have to understand the power goes out every day mm-hmm. this is a war-torn country you being a westerner I don't know how this is going to be for you I want every to move to Syria of course but at the same time I'm worried about if she can handle the situation there but listen if Avery is one thing she is Focused. She is focused. Eye on the prize. She has her plan, and she's going to make it happen. And Omar says, you know, she can be immature, which is, you know, one of the first times I don't know that he's mentioned, like, hey, you know, he... He does seem very mature to be his age. Yes. She seems like a typical 19-year-old American teenager to me. Probably a little more mature because of her decision to convert right. to another religion. and But 
in on an emotional level, she's 19. Absolutely. You know? But, like I said, I follow them on Instagram. They appear to be very happy together. That's what we like to hear. Still very much together, at least, unless they're trolling us all. <laughs> That's what appears to be the case in the here and now. Omar and Terry end up having a little alone time as well. Yes. In episode six, the first part of it. And we find out about the dowry. The dowry that Omar will pay to Terry to marry Avery. And Terry even says it's really weird to put a price on your daughter. Right. Now, this is standard in many other cultures, though. The bride price is very similar to that as well. Absolutely. There's other cultures who do it. But uh, but it is generally a male figure who pays a sum of money right. to the female's family as a way to show I'm a provider. Right. I will be able to take care of her. Is It's a... It's a pretty standard, customary thing, but Terry seemed very taken aback by all of it. And Omar's like, basically, this is an insurance policy. If something were to happen, something bad were to happen, like divorce or if I die, then this would take care of her. Although the bride or the dowry that he put on her, I don't know how long that would last. What, what did he say? What was the number? So she said, Omar said that she can come up with any price that she would like to ask for her daughter. And she said, like $10,000. And he was like, whoa, you know, I'm still in school. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking more like... That was right. So all that seemed very odd to me because a I felt like ten thousand. Like if someone asked me how much for my daughter, I would definitely be more than that. Yeah, definitely right? be more than ten. Way but okay. more. So she started off with ten, and then he was like, "That's a little too much." And she says, "Well, you know, what about your? Do you have sisters?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, for sure, I have four sisters." Well, what were your sisters' dowries? And he said, "My oldest sister's dowry was six thousand. So she said, "Okay, well, let's do six thousand, which a seems very reasonable, but again, seems pretty low." Yeah, yeah. Then again, we are talking about Syria. Right. And, and the value of money in Syria versus the American dollar and, and how, how far $6,000 would go here. And he says that in America, you know, usually if a couple divorces, there's like a 50-50 split of assets and stuff like that. But in his culture, it doesn't happen that way. The woman gets 8%, which seems a little odd. That's a very arbitrary number. <laughs> like... 8%. I, I would have thought maybe 10%, but when he went with 8, I immediately thought, oh, so it's basically the taxation rate? Like, right. <laughs> whatever taxes are. <laughs> uh, all right, up next, Rebecca and Zied. Oh, boy. She has now been in Tunisia for just a couple of days. She is 40... 47. She's 47. She's from small town Georgia. Zied's 26. He lives in Tunis, Tunisia. She's been there for a couple days. They've already had issues going out to a bar. He didn't like the way she was dressed. It became a big issue. It kind of ruined the night. Now, here we are the next morning. So this can only be like three days into her trip. She definitely says when they're going out to the bar, she says, I've been in Tunisia for two days. And then they pick up with last night, we argued and he got jealous and this has got to be day three. In your country, all the women there, clothes so sexy, it's okay, no problem. Here, woman Arabic, so much no good here. You not know uh, my life here. You not know the people here. You don't know all this is. It is kind of crazy, though, because it's only been three days, so you got to think we've gone from checking for bombs under the car to getting into an argument in the club to now meeting his parents. No, we went from airbrushed T-shirt picture at the airport. <laughs> I did want to say it, Megan. I wasn't trying to say it. To checking for bombs under the car to getting busy. Oh, that's true, too. I completely forgot about the jiggy jiggy. <laughs> to to 
fighting in a bar over what she was wearing to now she is going to meet Zied's family and she comes out he has gotten her something very traditional to wear to meet you know his mom and dad which I, I didn't think was all that uncommon or out of the ordinary until I realized that really he just wants her to cover up her tattoos it was pretty it was a pretty interesting outfit I mean I'm not from Tunisia I've never been to Tunisia so I'm not sure how traditional of an outfit it was but it didn't feel like a very common everyday type of outfit a, a lady would wear in Tunisia it did feel more like a like a costume didn't it it definitely felt like a costume that to me felt very ornate I feel like they could have consulted with Avery she seems to dress very stylish while also being conservative so she comes out of the bathroom she's nervous he's telling her it's gonna be okay then in his one-on-one interview with the camera he admits he is very nervous and he starts giving her the rundown on their way to his parents house about the things that he does not want her to do or say right and so he starts to tell her like hey the stuff from last night let's not bring it up and I'm thinking he's gonna say the whole issue the fighting let's kind of just move forward and start a new day but no He's like, don't mention that uh, I had any drinks. That's not good. Don't mention that uh, we're sleeping in the same room. That's not good. Yeah. And you don't have any tattoos. Keep them covered. So they roll up to Zied's parents' house. And again, you're taking a family that is very new to being on television. And very clearly, everyone is out of their element. (laughs) That's right. And in the car ride to his parents' house, he's nervous. She's nervous. And she says, you know, honey... I really hope your parents like me. And I thought he'd say something like, oh, don't worry, they're going to love you or you're wonderful, you're great. No, he, he was just like, yeah, no. He's like, yeah, me too. Yeah, this this could go either way, to be honest. I'm not sure. Uh, so they get to the house. It's nighttime. You know, Zied's mom has prepared this huge dinner for them. It looked incredible. And so the couscous brought up a whole nother set of issues. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it did. So Zaya's dad said, oh, has she ever had couscous before? Which she said, yes, I have. To which the dad naturally is like, oh, well, where has she had couscous before? I was surprised that Zied very quickly jumped in was like, oh, she had it with her ex-husband in Morocco. Why not say she used to be in a relationship with someone who lived in Morocco? I mean, I, don't, I wasn't quite sure why he went straight to the ex-husband. I mean, I guess in his mind, he's like, look, regardless, it's going to end up coming out because dad's going to say where she had couscous before. He's going to say, oh, in Morocco. Oh, you were in Morocco. What were you doing in Morocco? What'd you go visit? And then eventually it's going to come out that, oh, I was visiting, you know, an ex-husband or whatever. Right. But this is the first meeting. Right. So maybe he could have done it a little more delicately, but nothing about Zied is delicate to me, if I'm being honest. So at one point, Rebecca reaches to have a a sip of her drink and the sleeve of her dress comes up and it is like they notice that she has full sleeve tattoos on her arms when she gets up to help Zied's mom clear the, the dinner table. Zied's father is very concerned and is not, how would you say it? Um, he's not going to tiptoe around the situation. There you go. He's very much like, hey, so these tattoos, they can come off, right? We, she can get those removed. Right? Like, she can just wash that off, right? What is that? Like, magic marker? Or is that henna? What are we, what are we dealing with here? But no. So, you basically, it's like, yeah, yeah, dad, I know, I know, don't worry. I mean, it's just a process. It's very expensive, and it takes a little bit of time. Don't, we're going to work. Don't worry, we're going to figure all that out. The other thing that I found kind of interesting is when Rebecca was helping the mom with the dishes, you know, her mom was sitting there at the sink, and Rebecca says, oh, the food was great, or the food was lovely, and the mom just goes, mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Well, but you don't know how much English his parents know. Right, right. Which is exactly what I thought as well. But it's just kind of funny in that instance, even though you know they kind of edited it to make it look like it. Like, uh huh, whatever. Okay, bye. <laughs> yeah, very, like, almost dismissive. But I don't think that was the case. Yeah. So, so moving forward, they're spending the night there. So that's going to be kind of interesting. And then I'm curious to see are they just going to go back to their hotel after that? This couple now I'm really invested in the, in the remainder of her trip. And doesn't appear to me that they're having any fun that they went from a stressful arguing over what she was wearing to being in the bar and he almost got in a fight with someone and now the next day she's worried about meeting his parents and I'm curious to see if they're going to be able to turn this around and actually enjoy each other's company because they still got like two and a half weeks to go a long way to go and he still doesn't know that she is in fact still legally married so (laughs) I have a feeling we're still going to get a lot more drama from these two to come and last but not least our Caesar and Maria who uh, Caesar is 44 years old or 47 years old. How old is he? 46-ish. Ish. Uh, Caesar is from Jacksonville, North Carolina. Maria is in her 20s, 25 or so. She's from the Ukraine and Caesar is now in Mexico. He has landed. He has gotten his luggage. His $200 engagement ring is still there. And his boxes and boxes of chocolate panties are safe and sound. And someone like zeroed in on all of those boxes that he was pulling out of his bag it's like a candy g-string it's like all of this like you're meeting someone for the first time and that's what you pull out like come on dude so he's waiting for maria to arrive and he's down in cancun he's met this nice family on their vacation from iowa he's having some drinks and then my boo jeremy comes back into the picture What's up? How's the trip? Oh, the trip's going pretty good. Maria lands at 9 o'clock in the morning tomorrow. Then what do you got to do? Well, you know me. I'm going to go over there with uh, flowers, wearing a suit. <laughs> you got to give her the ring? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I got the ring right here. I got it with me. So when's the last time you talked to her? Did she, um, did she confirm that she's coming over there? Uh, the last time I talked to her was like, damn, like... um four days ago. And Jeremy's kind of giving him the, the, the pep talk. So at first we thought that Caesar was going to go call Maria and talk to Maria. And then surprise, it was a nice surprise for me because I was happy to see Jeremy. The other pretty interesting thing is that it seems like he's having a really good time in Mexico by himself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, every time we do see him, he's always raising a glass or people around him raising glasses saying, hey, and toasting and he's drinking and in the pool and seems like he's, you know, doing pretty well. Yeah. But we do find out at the end of that phone call that he hasn't talked to her in four days and troubles are coming it's not looking good it is not looking good and you know they led us to believe that he's basically had zero communication or contact with maria the entire time that he's been in mexico but when she sent him a message talking about uh problems with the flight i went ahead and stopped my dvr screenshotted what i could and i noticed that he has had a little bit of communication with her look one message okay so when he messages maria and says hey i'm at the hotel i love you very very much she responds okay and then he responds and says text me when you get off the plane i think that's what it says to which maria responds the flight is canceled 
Now, while you zeroed in on that, I zeroed in on the flight cancellation. It doesn't say the flight was canceled. It says the reservation was canceled. So it would appear that she canceled the reservation. Now, we haven't seen this part yet. We don't know. All we've seen in part one of episode six is that Maria is telling Caesar the day that she's supposed to be landing that the flight was canceled and he's kind of like wait a minute why didn't you tell me that yesterday when you were getting on your flight and hasn't even really noticed yet that the flight wasn't canceled she canceled the reservation i mean it's just it's not looking good for these two but no one's surprised right like no one well i take that back i actually thought somebody was going to show up in mexico i really did i just thought it, i didn't think it was going to be the blonde girl i thought it was going to be somebody else but here we go and this is where we we, we are gonna I guess we're gonna find out in in part two of episode six what happens next and is he gonna get her on the phone is is there gonna be any sort of explanation I I do think that at some point someone needs to track this girl down whether it's TLC whether it's a private investigator who is semi-retired and just looking for something fun to do somebody like Rebecca Rebecca maybe Rebecca can find out who this girl actually is yeah because like you said I mean we just want to try to find out is he being catfished is this real person real? Is it actually Tim? Yeah, we just want to know. Who is she? And what does she have to say about her relationship with Caesar? Yeah, so TLC, I'm going to need some sort of investigative documentary series finding Maria. At least get us some answers. At least show us a picture of who the girl is. Like, at least let us hear something from her. Well, hopefully we'll find out soon. I don't know. Uh, part two of 90 Day Fiance Before the 90 Days will air Sunday night on TLC. Make sure you subscribe to the Reality Bites podcast on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. We'll see you next time.